I want to invite you, as you can tell by the image going on the screen, to the book of Colossians. I want to start a brand new series this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to get them out, whether it's a, a digital copy or a physical copy. Open it up with me. If you, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put some things on the screen here. But uh, I want to get right into the Word of God. And while I'm saying that, we're having a technological difficulty on this end. This thing just shut down. It's funny, in the first service, I, I preached this message in the book of Colossians. And uh, I, I intended to preach down to verse 14. Uh, no, 15. And I got to verse 7. So... Yeah, just bring me another copy of them. Or, you know, they say if you want a preacher to talk for an hour, tell him 10 minutes in advance. If you want him to preach for 20 minutes, give him a week to prepare. That's true. You want the notes version, I promise you, because I could go all day. My heart is so full of this text. And, and every once in a while, about once a year at least, I, I do this discipline. I, I preach uh, an expository series through an entire book of the Bible. Now, I want you to know I always am prayerful about what I'm going to preach, but I also want to be careful to preach the whole counsel of Scripture to you. And so because I, I want to preach the whole counsel of Scripture, I, I like to just take a, a book of the Bible and say, we're just going to let the, the topic and the conversation be determined by, by what is written here. And so over the next several weeks, we're just going to walk through this letter to the Colossians, and I don't know how long it's going to take us. We may have to may have to take a few breaks based off the 830 service this morning. But eventually, we're going to get there, and we're going to get through this book. And I believe God wants to speak uh, a word to us. Thank you so much. See, we love all platforms of media, even the old school kind. This book is about 2,000 words, not quite 2,000 words. Uh, we call it a book. It's actually a letter that Paul wrote. You can read it in about 15 minutes, and, and I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, over the next few weeks, maybe you want to read it several times. It's an easy read. But here's what you need to know about the book of Colossians. Even though it's a small book, it's a short letter, Jesus is not exalted higher anywhere in the Word of God than he is in the book of Colossians. Jesus is exalted as supreme, as deity, and that's why I love this book so much. So before we jump into it, I want to just give you the just a snapshot. Let me give you the, the triple A of Colossians. I want to tell you who the author is, the audience, and what the activity is in the book. And in the first verse, you know already that the author is Paul. He introduces himself that way. And he's got Timothy with him. Timothy, we know, is one of Paul's protégés. He's one of his uh, sons in the faith. And yet, I love that Paul just introduces him as my brother. How many of you know that, that we're equal in Christ? There's, there's, no, there's no big I's and little U's. We're equal in Christ. And he introduces himself and his brother, Timothy. They're writing this. Paul is actually writing from a Roman prison. He's a prisoner in Rome. He writes this letter and, and a, a couple others while he's there. And the audience that he's writing to is the church of Colossae. But it's not just to the church of Colossae. It's actually to the church of uh, Hierapolis and the church of Laodicea as well. So there's these three churches that are in the Lycus Valley. It's a river valley, kind of like where we live. It's a river valley, and, and Hierapolis and Laodicea are on opposite sides of the river, about six miles apart. They can see each other from opposite sides of the river. And then about 12 miles north 
is the city of Colossae. And so Paul uh, writes to these people, many of them are Jews. After the dispersion in Jerusalem, they kind of spread out everywhere. There's a lot of Jews there, but the, the real significant work God was doing in that area was among the Gentiles. So the majority of the Christians in this church are, are Gentiles. They didn't grow up in the faith. They didn't grow up in Judaism. This is a new thing that God is doing. Now, let me just tell you quickly about the activity that's happening in this book. So you have a little context. In Acts chapter 19... Paul goes to Ephesus, and he begins to preach there. For about three months, he's preaching in the synagogue. Then they kick him out of the synagogue, as usually happens to the Apostle Paul. And so he goes to the school of Tyrannus, and he, he uses that school at night. So he stays there for over two more years. So Paul is, is preaching at night at the school of Tyrannus. He's preaching openly in public. He's preaching house to house. In the daytime, he's making tents to pay the bills. And at night, he's preaching the gospel. And, and as he's doing that, God just blesses the work. I mean, something just supernatural happens in the time that the apostle Paul is there in that area. And as he's preaching, the word of God goes everywhere. In fact, there's one verse I want to read to you out of that report in Acts 19.10. It says this, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Can I just tell you, that's supernatural. All the Jews and the Greeks in that Asia province heard the word of God. This is like a great awakening. This is a, a, a revival that just, just spreads far and wide, and people from everywhere hear the gospel. One of the people that heard the gospel and received the message from Paul in Acts 19 was a Greek man named Epaphras. So Epaphras receives the gospel. His life is changed by Christ, and he decides to partner with some of his friends and go back to their town of Colossae. So Epaphras goes back with his friend Philemon, another man named Archippus, and a woman named Aphia. And they go back together, and they plant the church at Colossae. So, so they launch this ministry there, and, and Paul is now writing a letter to him. Now, why would Paul write a letter to a church he's never been to before? The reason that Paul writes the letter of Colossians is because Epaphras, who's one of the leaders in the church, things are going well, people are getting saved, the church is growing, but now they're having some theological issues. So he, he makes a trip to Rome. He visits Paul in prison, basically just to say to Paul, like, we've got some theological problems happening in Colossae. Some of the Christians that are here are Gentiles. And these Gentiles, they just want to embrace everything the culture is doing. But we got some other Christians in the church that are Jews, and they want to run from the culture that we're called to reach. Does that sound familiar? In 2022, what he's saying to, to Paul is we've got legalism on one hand that is absolutely sabotaging the work of grace. On the other hand, we've got paganism that is deforming what a spiritual community of Christ is supposed to look like. And worse than that, neither of them reflect the image of Jesus who saved us. And none of this looks like the gospel I believed when you preached at the school of Tyrannus. So Paul, we got, we got some issues going on in Colossae. And, and let me just make an application if you missed it somehow. We are called to be Christ ambassadors in our generation. The church today should be a microcosm of heaven. 
So when the world looks at us, they, they should see what the kingdom of God is like. Matt, Jesus said it in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. We, we, ought to, we ought to be what Jesus tastes like to the world. We're the salt of the earth. And, and so in, in our generation, we have to be careful that, that we don't fall on the side of legalism and, and, and put a yoke on the, on the church. And we can't fall into paganism and somehow deform the reflection of Jesus in our generation. So what do you do? What do you do when you have a divisive culture? What do you do when there's so much confusion about how we're supposed to live out our faith in our generation? Well, thankfully, when Paul got that report in the first century, he took out his pen. And from his prison cell, he wrote a letter to that church. And I believe this letter that he wrote to them is as applicable to us today as it ever was to them. So I want to invite you to open your heart and to pray and ask the Lord to speak right now to us in our generation from the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to Colossians. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to open up the bread of life, to, to receive from your word. God, speak to us today. God, let your word fall on open ears today. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 1, verse 1, look at it with me. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, as I said earlier, Paul has never been there. So he starts by introducing himself. In other words, he wants to give a reason for why he has a right to, to speak into their life. Side note, if you ever want to speak into my life and you write me a letter, sign it. I have a special bin that's lined with plastic for unsigned letters in my office. So Paul's like, look, I've got a reason to write to you. I want to speak into your life. i got something to say. And he, he gives his credentials in one word, apostle. Apostle. That word apostolos, it means one who is sent out. And, and God... God sent Paul out as his ambassador. So Paul says, that's who I am. In fact, several other places in Scripture, he defends his authority as an apostle because he wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't an original apostle of Jesus. And so he defends his credentials. One of those places is in Galatians chapter 2. Just look at this on the screen. In verse 6, Paul says this. As, and this is actually Paul describing what happened in Acts 15. See, I'm bouncing all over the place, but you need to know this as we study the Word of God. The greatest interpretation of Scripture is Scripture. And so in Acts 15, something happens. And in Galatians chapter 2, Paul describes what happened. Here's what he says. As for those who were held in high esteem, he's talking about the original apostles. Whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, that's the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, that's the Jews. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So this is Paul saying, God called me. God gave me this assignment uniquely 
as much as he called Peter, he called me. And then he doesn't just say, I'm an apostle. I, I love in verse 1 of Colossians, Paul says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What a great reminder that our calling comes from God. Can I, can I just say that to someone today? Your calling does not come from a pastor. It doesn't come from a parent. It doesn't come from a church. It doesn't come from a fellowship or a denomination. Your calling comes from God. And I'm not just talking to people that are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. You have a calling from God. And he wants you to receive that calling. And so I love that, that Paul reiterates that. My calling as an apostle of Christ Jesus is by the will of God. You have a calling. It comes from Christ alone. Now, here's the good thing about the call of God. He will confirm his calling in many ways. But the call comes from him. In fact, let, let me just give you four ways quickly that, that God confirms the call. Four ways. Number one, by faith. When God calls you to do something, faith is a gift. God will give you the faith to believe. Now, I'm not saying you won't have doubts. I'm not saying you won't answer that call with fear and trepidation. But there's something in you that rises up. When God calls you to do something, there's a, a confidence. There's a belief that says, I, I believe God wants me to do this. I believe I can do this. God is asking me to do this. The second way that God confirms his calling is our feelings. Now, we don't live by feelings. Feelings can be an untrue uh, or dishonest metric sometimes. But I'm telling you, when God calls you to do something, the, the call fits. And so there's going to be a feeling that says this is right. Like no one's going to have to go kicking and screaming to answer the call of God on their life. Like your passions communicate your purpose. There are certain things you just love to do. Like Alicia just loves to lay out in the sun. I don't know what that has to do with her calling, but there's something you love to do that probably does indicate your calling. And so you can, you can look at your feelings and go, man, I, I, just, I just love, I mean, this, is, this feels right to me, man. My heart beats faster when I do these things. Whether it's singing a song or building a house, it has to do with the call of God on your life. The third way that God communicates his calling is through friends. Aren't you thankful that God uses other people to affirm the work he's doing in your life? That's even what happened for Paul when God called him to be an apostle on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. It says this in verse 15. God was speaking about Paul to a man named Ananias. And he told him, he said, Ananias, go. Go, because this, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And so he does. Ananias goes to Paul. Paul, he's sitting there. He can't see uh, God has blinded his eyes with scales, and Ananias places his hands on him, anoints him, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. God uses people to affirm the will of God in your life. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you at the laying on of my hands. That we believe in laying on of hands in this church. Because there can be a transference. There can be an affirmation that happens at a moment when a man or a woman of God puts their hands on you and says, God is doing something in your life. It affirms the call that comes from God alone. Another way that God confirms his calling is through fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Now, now that's last on my list because fruitfulness isn't always fruitful in man's eyes. How many of you know sometimes we can just walk in pure obedience to the Lord and man would call it a failure? 
but God calls it a success. But there, Jesus did say, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you that you would produce fruit, John 14. He said, fruit that would last. So there is some evidence to the fact that you're called by God because there's a fruitfulness to it. Let, let me just say, in my calling, not every day it, it feels fun. Not every day even feels fruitful. Some days of ministry are hard, but there's always the, this, this sense that this is where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. Even on the days that I, I don't want to do it, there's just a knowing, there's an, an inner feeling, and there's an evidence in the people around me, and there's a faith, and there's a fruitfulness to the work that I just know God hasn't changed my assignment, I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. Can I just say to somebody today, you might not have the title apostle on your life, but you have a call from God. You have a call from God. There's no such thing as sacred and secular work. Because the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So even if you have a secular job, when you show up and you step into that cubicle, you just fill that space with the presence of the living God. It's not secular anymore. It's holy ground. You have an assignment from heaven. And I, I love that Paul could have said all kinds of things about himself, but he said, my calling is by the will of God in my life. Look at verse 3. Paul says, we thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. He said, we heard about your faith. That tells us something. This letter is written to Christians. He said, I have evidence that you're believers. And let me just say this series, this message today is for Christians, okay? So if you're not a Christian, I'm still glad you're here. You're going to learn something, but you need to understand this. It's not going to help you until you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And to be honest with you, that's actually the point of this whole letter. I mean, the point of everything that he is writing to the Colossian church is to say this, Everything comes under and after Jesus. He's writing from a Roman prison to say, keep the main thing the main thing. That's the main thing. Right? Like, everything comes under and after Jesus. And so Paul writes to them and he says, I've heard about your faith. And he said, I thank God. I thank God for your faith. Look at verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Paul is saying this. He's saying this is a cause for celebration. Even from a prison cell, when I pray for you, I thank God. And the reason it's a cause for celebration is because there is evidence, there is fruit on the vine. That there is something that has happened that I've heard about from Epaphras. Here it is. He said, I heard that you have faith in God and that you have love for God's people. Faith in God and love for God's people. When you give your life to Jesus, something changes. Not, not, maybe not everything changes immediately. Sanctification is a process. It, it, it's an ongoing work that God is doing. We, we are saved in a moment, but we're being saved, and then one day we'll fully and finally be saved when we stand before him with unveiled faces. But in the moment you get saved, something changes in your heart. It becomes awakened to have faith in God. Something changes in your attitude towards other people. Now, I feel like I need to stop and camp out there in the middle of 
2022 about how Christians are supposed to love people. But I'm not going to. I'm going to let you make your own application today on that point. But Paul says, I heard about your faith. And here's what I heard about. You have faith in God and love for God's people. But then he says this, and this is so important in verse 5. He says, your faith and your love, they spring up from the hope stored up in heaven. Can I remind you, church, our greatest hope is in heaven. See, there's a lot of Christians that get discouraged and defeated, and they lose their confidence in God because they're only counting earthly blessings. They're only taking account of what God is doing right here, right now, what I can hold in my hands, what's in my bank account. And it's, it's so crazy, but this happens all the time. We get to the place where we start to even ask questions like, has God forgotten about me? Why do bad things happen if God is good? Can I tell you, this is the answer to that question. Never forget that your greatest blessings are still in heaven. So Paul says, I rejoice when I pray for you because I see your faith in God and your love for God's people. And you have a hope. And that hope is stored up in heaven. And then he says this at the latter part of verse 5. Still in verse 5. He says, that hope that's stored up in heaven is in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Now, if, if you like to make notes in your Bible, underline that phrase, the true message of the gospel because what Paul is do, this is foreshadowing Paul is kind of he's kind of laying the foundation it's the setup okay he's saying the issue in Colossae is you forgot the true gospel some of you got distracted over here with some of the cultural things some of you got distracted over here with some of your religious things but I'm telling you the reason that I heard about your faith and the reason I rejoice when I pray for you is because when you believed because when you stored up your treasure in heaven it was based on the true gospel that came to you. Verse 6. What has come to you, he says, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You know what, what he's saying is you're not an anomaly. He's saying to the Colossians, the, the evidence that I've heard about you is actually what happens all over the world when people come to faith. Like, this is not unique. When people hear the gospel, they put faith in God. When people hear the gospel, their attitude towards people changes. They love people. And he says, this gospel is bearing fruit throughout the whole world. Just as it's been doing since the day you believed and truly understood grace. Again, Paul's trying to get them to understand. I'm about to lay the law down on you, so you need to understand. It was the true message of the gospel, and at some point in your history, you truly understood grace, and that's what I'm excited about. Now, he's about to get some stuff that he's not excited about, but he wants them to know the thing I am excited about, the thing that makes me happy when I pray for you, is that you believe the true gospel. I didn't do any better this service than I did in the first one. I was about to share with you seven keys, but I'm not going to do that today because I got two minutes on the clock. But as the worship team comes, here's what I do believe the Lord wants to do this morning. The Lord wants 
to awaken your heart, first and foremost, to the power of his word. Like God wants to speak, can speak, will speak, is speaking to us in our generation with as much clarity as Paul wrote from a prison cell in Rome to the church at Colossae. He, he wants to speak. We live in a world right now. We, we live between these tensions. Some people, they see the chaos in our world. They see the immorality. They, they see the debauchery that's being celebrated and propagated even in our public schools. And what they want to do is they want to go back. They say, give me that old-time religion. You know, they want to go back to those times. Good for Paul and Silas. It's good enough for me. Give me the old time religion. They want to go back to a, a form of legalism that really just shuts the windows and, and shuts the doors and keeps the big bad world out. Paul says, You can't go back to that. You're called to that world, you're called to this world. But at the same time, we've got people in the church today who are looking at, they're looking at the world and looking at what is socially acceptable and politically correct, and they're reinterpreting the word of God to say, let's embrace this pagan culture so they'll come to our church. Paul says, you can't do that. You can't change the gospel. And so we've either bound the hands of grace with our legalism, or we've deformed the image of Jesus with our paganism. Paul says there's a true gospel. Some of you know it because it changed your life. You put faith in God. You started loving God's people. You, you, stopped, you stopped qualifying failure and success based on man's applause. And you started storing up treasure in heaven. That's the gospel you believed. That's the one that convinced you. That's the one that caused this gospel to spread everywhere. In two years. And I just believe that today God is calling us back to that gospel. He's calling us to that. If you're here today and, and you've never received that gospel, like you've never just put your full weight, all of your faith in God. And, and, and experience that newness of life, like a joy, a, a confidence, a faith in God. A, a new perspective on people, a love that is not natural, a love that, that comes from above, a love that says, man, I, I don't even like you, but I love you. Like, I, I don't know what God's doing here, but my heart just goes out to those people that, man, they drive me nuts, but I can't stop praying for them. I believe God is calling us back to that gospel. Now I want to pray as we get ready to end this service. Would you stand with me just to honor the presence of the Lord in this room? Not for my sake, but to just reverence God for a moment. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, not this kind of relationship. You might know about Him. You might have been to church plenty of times. But if you're here today and you're, you don't have a hope that's stored up in heaven, I want to just invite you to come back, come back to that gospel today. Would you just close your eyes with me all over this room? Father, right now I pray that you just call people back. Call them to you. Call them into a relationship with you. God, if we've gotten sidetracked or pulled away from the gospel by the culture, and all of a sudden the, the, the faith that we're living out is not the faith we once believed. God, if we've, in fear or retaliation, moved too far the other way and we've made 
our faith all about do's and don'ts and religious practices and who's right and who's wrong. God, bring us back to center. Bring us back to the cross. Bring us back to the living hope that we have in Jesus today. Come on, if the Lord's dealing with your heart, right where you're standing, just begin to tell him in your own words, Jesus, I'm coming back to center. I'm coming back to the gospel. Change my life, Lord. I put my faith in you again. You're my living hope today. I just sense even as our eyes are closed in this place and we're seeking God, he's calling some of you. He's calling out to some of you. The same way he called out to Epaphras and Philemon. The same way he called out to their friends. He's calling out to some of you today to respond to the call of ministry. Would you just receive that right now? Allow the Lord to speak to your heart. If there's faith rising in your heart, it's an indication that, that this may be God. God might be asking you to do something. There's, there's a faith that just says, I, I believe I can do this. There's, there, there's a feeling that you know this is something I love to do. I, I feel like maybe God even might have hardwired me for this. Your calling might be preaching the gospel. It might be building houses. God, God wants to take your gifting and your passion and your ability and he wants to empower you by your Holy Spirit to step into that calling God wants to use other people can I, can I be your friend today as Ananias placed his hand on Paul and spoke to him and said go this is my instrument to proclaim my name. God said, go. God wants to use your fruitfulness. There's things that you do that they come natural to. You just do it well. Maybe the Lord's trying to call you into something. So, Father, right now, we just respond to the Holy Spirit. We respond to the Holy Spirit. God, would you speak over your church today, the way that you spoke to Ananias. Speak over your church today. As you told him, this is my instrument to proclaim my name. I just want to speak that over some of you today. You are God's instrument to proclaim his name. Maybe in your office space. Maybe in your, in your co-op. Maybe on the, on the team you coach, the classroom you lead. You are God's instrument to proclaim his name. God, would you anoint your people to answer your call, to do the work you've called them to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, if you're thankful for the word of God today, would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise? God, thank you so much for your word. I think every service I get less done. So I don't know how long we're going to be in the book of Colossians, but here's my prayer. My prayer is that, is that you would just open your heart to the Lord to speak to you through his word. Maybe you want to take the next week and just meditate on Colossians. Let it, let it get down in your spirit. Let it get down in your heart. Because God has called us in our generation to be a reflection of Jesus. 
to, and how many of you know this world needs that? We need a clear representation of Jesus in our world. Listen, if you're here today and, and God's just doing some things in your life and you'd like to have somebody pray with you, I'm going to dismiss this service in a final prayer. But as I do, can I encourage you, just step out from where you are. Come and find a place at this altar. We would love to pray with you personally. And as I pray this prayer, I just want to say I hope you have a wonderful week. If you're a serve team member, we want to celebrate with you on Saturday. Let me pray a closing prayer. These altars are open. God, thank you so much again for the word of God that you, you ordained for this service. You're the only one here today that knows what people are facing, what they need to hear. And so, God, we just rest in the authority of your word. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And, God, I pray today that your word has penetrated our hearts, that we would take from this place one thing, that the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us and that we would be quick to make the application in our lives as we walk in obedience to the gospel that brought us to salvation. In Jesus' name. In all God's people said amen. Amen. God bless you today, church. Have a wonderful day.